Well, we started a tradition a few weeks ago, uh, standing for the reading of the Word. So would you stand with me and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is not on the screen, so you need your actual Bible. Go figure. Uh, you actually need your Bible for this. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we can begin with the reading of the Word. Let's pray together. Father, today we come to You, and Lord, we want to open up our hearts Lord, that You would come and fill our hearts with fire. Lord, that we would be impassioned for You and that we would not uh, hold back anything from You or be satisfied with anything less than You've called us to. So Lord, I pray over our church. I pray over True Life. I pray over the north side. Lord, that we would have a hunger for You like never before. That we would not be satisfied with nominal Christianity or serving You from a distance. But Lord, we would be on the mission that You are on. And Lord, we would turn to You with all of our hearts. So Lord, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, Spirit, open our eyes that we would follow you and run after you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read together in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 13. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy He knew would be His afterward. Now He is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all He endured when sinful people did such terrible things to Him so that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against Sin. Verse 5. And you have, en- ha- and have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, His children? He said, My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when He corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those He loves. And He punishes those He accepts as His children. Verse 7, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as His own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined? If God doesn't discipline you as He does all of His children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really His children after all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we not all the more cheerfully submit to the discipline of our heavenly Father and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now let's finish up these last few verses here. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. Amen, somebody. You may be seated this morning. We are on a series, uh, this is the fourth week of a series uh, that, that is titled 
They just came for the donuts. Yes, this is Pastor Steve's uh, series, but you will quickly learn that although uh, it is a different speaker up here, we are driving the same bus, going down the same highway, going to the same destination. We just have a substitute bus driver today, but we're going to take the bus a little bit farther down the path that God wants us to go down. Can I hear an amen? Now, you will know from me, maybe it's because I'm younger, that a quiet church is a dead church. So I need you to help me today. You can go ahead and say amen. You can smile at me. You can bite your nails if it gets, if you get nervous. But let's get some activity because I believe that you are hungry for your life to represent what God meant it to be. Can I hear an amen? So this series, they just came for the donuts. If you're visiting here today, you'll know that uh, this series was birthed out of a conversation that Pastor Steve had with uh, his best friend's son, uh, Isaac. He he uh, was on the phone and he started this Bible study at school and he was very excited. He was ex- passionate for God and, and he had a Bible study at his school at the, at the young age, I believe he's 12 or 14, 12 years old. How many of you think it's great when 12-year-olds start Bible studies? He had a Bible study and he was excited because at the very first uh, outing, very first gathering, there was over 20 kids there and he was so excited and he called up uh, Pastor Steve. He says, man, I, I preached the word and there's like 20 people there and he's excited. But a few times later, uh, Steve happened to ask him, hey, how's your Bible study going? And he's a little depressed and he said, well, pa- Pastor Steve, I, 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 I'm not really excited. I, I'm discouraged. He says, well, why? He's like, well, because I bring donuts to my Bible study and, and I found out that the only reason they're coming is for the donuts. They're not hungry for the things of God. They don't want to hear me preach. They just want the donuts. And, and Pastor Steve felt the Holy Spirit speak to him about uh, Christianity across the American spectrum of, 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 of church-going people that m- many times, often, we would have to agree that sometimes we're just looking for the church to give us a little sugary substance, something to make us maybe feel a little bit better for our week. Sing a few nice songs, say a nice word, entertain us a little bit, give us what we need, and then we can jet out of there. But how many of you would agree with with me that God did not design the local church, which is the hope of the world, to be a donut offering institution. But God wants to give us something of substance. God wants to give you and the direction of your life, not something that's fluffy and doesn't satisfy, that actually is uh, uh, malnourishing, but God wants to give you sub- something of substance that will change your life, that will make you run down the pathway that God has set for you. And sometimes if we are to accept that mission of God in our life, there is a turning or a change in our perspective that's required. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. If we're going to agree that we cannot be a church that offers donuts, then we have to come to the conclusion that our taste buds have to change for the great things of God. That's why we're singing songs lately. It's not about the, 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 the band or it's not about where this song came from, but we're trying to incorporate music that declares the greatness of God and simply says, God, you are so wonderful, I must have you. Instead of just simple, nice Christian songs that are about what God does for me and, and makes us kind of cheery, we're looking for songs and we're trying to build a church that is not built on donuts, but built on the substance of God. 
God's plan for our lives, something deeper. And I would uh, uh, declare to you, and I would uh, uh, beg of you to open up your heart to ask yourself, are you uh, seeking out donuts in your Christian faith, or are you seeking out the substances of God? Are you hungry for the deeper, the great things of God, for things that truly change lives, or are you just looking to get by because you're in a tradition of, uh, of uh, nominal Christianity? And it doesn't matter your heritage. It doesn't matter your age. You can be a, a, a senior here and, and think that you're well established. But I think even the seniors would agree with me that Jesus turned to the Pharisees and says, don't talk about Abraham as your reason for your maturity. Don't look at your heritage. You need to tell me right now where your heart is at and that you're hungering for the things of God. And I think the young people would agree with me that Paul said to Timothy, hey, don't let anyone despise you in your youth. Why? Because at a very young age, God can do great things in young people at the age of 12 jesus was telling the people let the other kids go play nintendo let the other kids go play games i'm here to do my father's business there is nothing separating us from the things of god regardless of our age or even our circumstances god is wanting to put in this church a hunger for the deep things of god and quite honestly friends to do that to agree with that and to come into that we have to look at where we're at we have to go wow I've been acting like things are fine and things are not fine. I've been satisfied with the fact that I just read a quick scripture and, and I just kind of say a quick prayer. I've been satisfied with the fact that I tithe or I'm satisfied with the fact that I'm, I'm a member of a church when God is saying it is so much deeper and more exciting than those simple things. So God is trying to get us to become deeper people. To not just say, well, we're fine, but to say, you know what, we're not fine. You know what, the, the call that God has on my life, the destiny that, that He laid out for me, cannot be obtained by eating donuts. The destiny that God called True Life Church to cannot be obtained by eating donuts. Can you imagine a football player uh, that, that that's, you know, has a destiny or a call or uh, a professional football player would have a paycheck dependent upon his ability to hit people and his strength and, and his positioning. How many of you would agree with me it would be ridiculous for a football player to eat donuts and expect his destiny to be fulfilled on a diet of donuts? That doesn't make any sense, yet the, uh, the Bible tells us that the church is to be a prevailing church, one that is always advancing. It is forcefully advancing. It is on its toes, not on its heels. And to think that a church can survive off of a donut mentality is ludicrous, just as we would agree with a football player. We must become people that nourish ourselves and are not satisfied with small, simple things, but the deep things of God. Amen, somebody. So, here we are. And today's message, the title of the message today is Diet Coke and Donuts. Diet Coke and Donuts. And the reason why, friends, is because a lot of times, if you are like me, uh, I don't know about you, but I watch The Biggest Loser uh, on Tuesday nights. You know, we have our youth service on Tuesday nights, and we get home, and we're fortunate to have one of those DVR things. And so Jennifer and I get home, and, and I don't know about you, but uh, I'm inspired by The Biggest Loser. I mean, it's just amazing what those people do. Some of you know this uh, about me. I've lost 115 pounds. I used to weigh almost 300 pounds. And, and, uh, but 
I was not like the biggest loser people. They do it in like 10 weeks, right? I lost like 150 pounds in like, I don't know, four years or something like that. And I just watched them. But I'm kind of famous for coming home, sitting down on my couch, grabbing some ice cream and watching The Biggest Loser. And just, oh, that's just amazing. And just, and, and I'll go grab a big bowl of popcorn and just, wow, oh yeah, that, ooh, that's just, they're just, oh, that's just inspiring to me. As I, Watch The Biggest Loser as I eat some fattening food. I'm also really famous for uh, going through the drive-thru, and I will order something at, from McDonald's. I'll go through the drive-thru, and I'll get, you know, a, a number three, you know, with a Coke, and, 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 and to somehow convince myself that the, you know, 100 grams of fat or whatever in the quarter pound or the, the 80 grams of fat in, like, one French fry, somehow to just kind of trick myself, I'll get a Diet Coke with my quarter pounder and french fries. And so I'll be like, I like it number three with the Diet Coke, as if I was healthy. As if my Diet Coke gave uh, uh, proof or some legitimacy to my care about the things that I need to be healthy about. Is there anybody with me that will not point a finger at me, but will raise their hand and say, yes, I've done some of the exact same things. Yeah, we get we get like salad, right? But then we get the fried chicken in the salad. You know, we're like, oh, it's a salad. By the way, if you guys like the Oriental chicken salad at Applebee's, can I just tell you that there's like 60 grams of fat in the Oriental chicken salad at Applebee's. I'm telling you, I did lose 115 pounds somewhere, and I found out some things. Sometimes things can be deceiving. Now watch this. And sometimes we just like to deceive ourselves. Sometimes we like to just hold out a Diet Coke for everyone to see, but sneak the French fries for no one to see. And if we're to have a rid ourselves of this donut mentality as a local church, friends, we cannot afford to fool ourselves by holding up a Diet Coke and eating a donut on the side. We cannot afford to be a church that goes, come be the fire inside of me, and then, and then on the side just live life as if we're not even thinking or consumed with the fire of God. You see, Diet Coke and Donuts is all about the facade that we must rid ourselves of if we're truly to become a church that's eating and drinking the great things of God. And so I want to read for you uh, the same scripture that Pastor Steve has been reading for you over the the past few weeks. And it comes out of Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 15 to 22. And we do have it on the screen for you. And this is out of the ESV. It says this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich. This is Diet Coke, everybody. For you say I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and the white garments so that you may clothe yourself and and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and sound to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent 
Here's the offer in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is saying to the church, You think because you're holding that Diet Coke, you're okay. You're saying, look, look, we're we're rich. Look, we're healthy. Look, we're clothed. Look, look, we can see all things. And he says, stop fooling yourselves. That's called religion, isn't it? When we come and we go through a religious mantra, we know how to lift up our hands. We know how to sing songs. We know how to speak Christianese. God bless you, brother. How are you doing? I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. Bless God. We know how to do all those things. And we say, look, we're in church. You're preaching to the wrong people. Go preach to the people that are still in bed. But Jesus says, I'm speaking to the churches. I'm speaking to the people. And this is what he says. Look, he says, the reason I'm telling you to discard this Diet Coke and donut mentality, the reason why I'm telling you that we can't just be a nice fluffy church that says three points, a funny illustration, and send people away smiling, the reason why we need this is not because we want to be hardcore, but because we simply want to be a church that relishes and experiences the true freedom in Christ. Look at what he says here, friends. He says, do these things so that you may be rich. Donut eaters will never truly be rich. They will be empty on the inside because they smile to people, they know how to go through the motions, and on the inside they're a wreck. And you and I both know how true that is. He says, so that you may be rich. He says, do these things so that you would have white garments. No guilt. How many people go to church every week, taught Christianese all the time, but when they go to bed at night, there's a sense of guilt upon them because they know that they're not running after the things of, the things of God. He says, look, he says, do these things so that the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Friends, churches that just want to give you donuts will never clothe your nakedness. And you and I know that to be true. We know it because we've hungered for donuts at times. Just just let me just kind of, I just, I'm not ready. Just let me kind of, and we take a bite of the donut and all the time. But at the end of the day, friends, this is what we're talking about. At the end of the day, our nakedness has not been covered. And as we speak about the end of the day, do you know, friends, that what Jesus is talking about here is not at the end of this day. He's talking about the end of the age. He's talking about when I return, you don't want to be uncovered. When I return at that end of the day, do these things so that at that end of the day, the church will be without spot or wrinkle, passionately in love with me, running after me, rich, clothed in white garments, no shame of nakedness, and eyes to see what Jesus is doing. That is why we have to become hungry. That is why we cannot say, I've been in the church for 50 years. I have a right to just be. No, there are no rights except for what your relationship with Jesus is. We need to be hungry at all times. 
Let me speak to you seniors here, or even those of you that are just older than I am. You, you that are in your 40s and 50s and on up. I, I am absolutely uh, uh, just overwhelmed when I see you worship the Lord. Because you have come this far. You've been where I have not yet been. You went through your 30s and you're still lifting up your hands. You went through your 40s and your 50s and you're still crying when you speak about the beauty of Jesus. You've gone into your 60s and 70s. I want to be just like you, but don't slow down now. Let's be on passionate for Jesus like never before. And if you have backed off, if you've gotten into some kind of American culturized retirement mentality with your faith, let's come out of retirement. Let's get back into the business place. Let's get on the job that God called you to because your job on this planet is not finished until we breathe our last breath. Some of you are not yet in your 50s or 60s or 70s and you called an early retirement spiritually. And Pastor C's preaching this series and I'm just here as a substitute driver to call you out of retirement. To say, look at yourself. You're not that great. Remember Jesus look, you say you're rich, but you're not. You say, look at my Christian clothes and you're naked. And those aren't fun things to talk about. That's not like, yay, oh, we're poor and naked and we're full of shame and, oh, we can't see what God's doing. Oh, that, that, boy, that's definitely not a donut message, is it? That is not donuts. Donuts is, you know, si se puede. Yes, you can. You can do it, you know. And and that's fine, but Jesus is saying you can do it because I've provided the way for you to be clothed. I provided the way for you to see brand new. I've provided the way for these things to happen. God is calling us to do these things. And so how do we do it? How do we move from this Diet Coke, we're fine, you know, Diet Coke, donut. How do we get away from Diet Cokes and donuts? I'm telling you that Jesus says right here in the scriptures, therefore be zealous and repent. It does not say be casual and repent. It doesn't say, well, you know, uh, let's just kind of think through some of these things. God's really speaking to me. God's really, you know, this is, this is Diet Coke right here. You ready for a Diet Coke response? Oh yeah, God's really doing something in our church. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of really speaking and he's getting right here. That's, that's just really, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I, you know, I'm praying about some things that might, that's not zealous. That's not zealous. Zealous is absolutely without abandon. Let's do it right now. It's, I know, I've had a revelation. Look, I've had a revelation. It's time to respond. You know what I believe the last three weeks were in Pastor Steve's message? In fact, uh, the last two weeks, Pastor Steve has not spoken the message that you've heard here and that is on um, our website. He has not spoken that message. We've just, he's not spoken any message because it's been just, Repent now, repent now. And, and, and it's been a non-donut service really on the south side. But do you want to know why both sides, north and south, do you want to know what I believe the last three weeks were? The last three weeks, I believe, for our church has been a wake-up call. It's been like revelation, right? You know, that's what this scripture is all about, isn't it? Where we're kind of living, we think everything's fine because their perspective was, we're rich, we're clothed, we're, we're fine. And, and then Jesus, no, you're not. Jesus, hey, wake-up call, right? Buzzer going off. You woke up from your dream. 
I, I mentioned this on the south side last week. We all know the story of the, of the man that's had the heart attack, and, 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 uh, and it doesn't matter who it is, but we've all heard these kind of stories where he was going to the doctor, and the doctor goes, hey, you need to be healthier. And he's like, I know, yep, yep, you're right. I, uh, that cholesterol's got to come down. I've I got to quit eating all, you know, a stick of butter every day. And, you know, and, and the doctor's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, I know, I know, yep, you're right. And then what happens? Heart attack. And it took a heart attack to wake that person up. And then after the heart attack, what do you see? You see a slimmer man. You see him, you know, spraying on, I can't believe it's not butter, you know, and, and all these types of things. And you're like, wow, what happened to you? And they said, it took a wake-up call of a heart attack to, for me to change my ways. Haven't you heard of a, a story similar to that from somebody? It took, it took a, a revelation. It took, I, I was hearing it for a long time. But it took a wake-up call. And friends, I believe the last three weeks was like a wake-up call. I believe it was like a, hey, hey, we cannot move down the road. We're kidding ourselves. A year from now, True Life Church will not be where we need to be unless we wake up and start spraying the butter instead of sticking the cube on our, on our pancakes. We've got to change our ways. So today, I'm not here to continue the revelation. Today I'm going to help you, and I believe God gave me a word to take that revelation into a response. Because a revelation requires response. The big idea for today is this. Revelation requires response. How many of you know that if you get that wake-up call, uh, if if your alarm goes off, wake-up call, and you go back to bed, the the, the alarm clock was of no use? How many of you know if you have a heart attack and then you continue to put the slab of butter on your pancakes, that heart attack was pointless? How many of you would agree with me? Come on. That revelation without response is pointless. Revelation always requires response. So we cannot say, oh, God's moving. Well, how's God moving? Oh, man, we've got a wake-up call. We, got, we, just, we just, man, the word of the Lord came. No, no, no. Jesus says, hey, everyone who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. And what is the Spirit saying? Repent. Be zealous. Move. Respond. It doesn't say just listen and go, oh, good word. It's response. And so I'm here to tell you that we can't just agree. We can't just get a revelation and come into agreement. That's right, Pastor Brian. I mean, we do this all the time, right? Like, if I were to ask you, right, uh, now here's Diet Coke mentality. If I were to say, how many of you believe our city needs saved? Yeah. How many of you believe that our church needs the power of prayer? Yeah. Agreement, right? How many of you believe that we don't need just shallow churches, but we need deep churches and entrenched in discipleship? Yeah. Okay. What are we doing to save our city? (sighs) What's your prayer life like? What kind of discipleship are you studying? (sighs) You see, agreement is only the beginning. We all agree for things that need to change. We all agree that we should be in shape. We all agree, but we cannot just have a little Diet Coke and think we're there. We've got to have a response to the revelation. Everyone say response. Okay, so here's where we're going today. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, uh, the Lord just really laid on my heart Acts chapter 9, the story of Paul or Saul's conversion to become uh, Paul uh, on, on the, the road, right? And, and if you've grown up in the church, you know about this story. But let me give you a very quick, brief background. Here is a man who was absolutely his destiny in life. was. Would you guys agree with me that know the story? His destiny in life uh, was exact opposite of what God called 
called him to. I mean, he was on a literal road to kill Christians, and God called him to be a literal uh, preacher of the word to bring freedom to, to, to the Gentiles. How many of you would agree with me? He was on the wrong road. So here's Paul. Paul is on the wrong road. And God gives him a wake-up call like none other, right? For those of you that know Acts chapter 9, he's on his donkey. Let's go ahead and just kind of act it out because I get bored just speaking. It's more fun to use hand motions. So here he is, and he's just riding down the don- on the donkey. He's going down. He's on his way to kill Christians. And bam! Jesus says, they just came for the donuts. Jesus gives him his wake-up call. Flashings of light. He falls off the donkey. He's on the ground. Oh, the people around him, they see him, but they don't see what the big uh, uh, shaboozle is all about. And he's like, ah, and, and all of a sudden this voice. Saul, Saul. Yes, who is it? You know, he, he can't see. Who are you, Lord? It is the Jesus the Christ whom you are persecuting. You know, oh, no. You know, he's like, ah, and here's this huge, would you guys agree with me? This is a revelation. Paul's going this way, and Jesus goes, wake up. You are going down the wrong road. Paul has a revelation, but friends, it is Paul's response that changed everything. How many of you understand what I'm saying when if we get a wake-up call and we look at our lives and we go, man, I'm, I'm cutting corners, I'm shallow, I'm not going after the deep things of God, I'm bored during worship, I don't read my Bible, I'm not consumed with the things of God. How many of you would agree with me that if all we get is revelation, and just like Paul, and get back up on our donkey and continue down the same road to the same destiny, that revelation was pointless. Yet Paul had a response To the revelation. See, Paul first had a revelation, and then he agreed. Watch this. First is revelation, and then Paul agreed with that revelation. He said, yes, I am persecuting you. Yes, I... Why? How do we know that Paul agreed? Because he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He went into town. There was a, a, a disciple of Christ there, Ananias, and he spoke to him. Paul agreed with what Jesus saw about Paul. You know when Jesus says, hey, you're naked. Hey, you know what? You're, you're not rich. Hey, you know, I know you think you are, but you're not. If you are going to respond to this revelation, you have to first get a revelation. Hopefully you have. But the second part is you have to agree with God and say, you know what? Things are not all that great. But then the third thing, remember, agreement is just the beginning. Then Paul radically altered the direction he was going. He was going to kill Christians. He got back up on his mule blind and went into town and came under authority, submitted himself in an act of humility and let God form and shape in him the destiny that he called him to. Revelation, I think you've got it. Agreement, I think you agree with me that we don't need donuts. Now the question for you and I both is what will we do with the response what will, will you radically alter your lifestyle? Radically alter your relationships? Radically alter how you uh, commune with Christ? 
Will you radically alter the direction you're going in order to be clothed? Come on, somebody. In order to be rich. In order to have eyes to see what God is doing. Will you radically alter? Will you respond to the revelation with radical adjustments? That's the question that God has for you. And that's the question that God has for me. I'm here to tell you, there has to be a radical response. And I have this little quote up here. I heard another pastor say this, but I feel it's, it's absolutely appropriate for today. It says this, what you are willing to walk away from often determines what God is willing to walk you in to. Does that make sense? I think we have it up on the screen there. Yep. What you are willing to walk away from often determines what God is willing to walk you into. In other words, friends, Paul could not say, you know what, God, I appreciate that word. That was a word for me. Get back up on his donkey and somehow continue down the destiny of killing Christians while at the same time submit himself to Ananias and serve the Lord. That's pretty clear cut. You can't do two things yet. You and I have to come into agreement with this. We try and do that all the time. We try and walk into something without walking out of something. We're like, oh God, change me. I need you. And then God's like, change your daily schedule radically. And we're like, nope. I just want to serve you radically without changing anything. Or am I, uh uh-oh, am I the only one? Because I do this all the time. I try and not walk out of something. I try and hold on. Well, it's not that bad and I can still, oh, I, I still, do, I do. This, I, I'll tell you what I, I'm, I'm telling you guys. I mean, uh, you have a flawed speaker up here today, I'm telling you, but I do this all the time. I'm like, okay, I know you're kind of speaking to me right now, but it's not that big of a deal because I really do really love you, God. And I, I really, and God's like, you're, you're fooling yourself. You're drinking a Diet Coke, bud. It may have zero calories, but you've got a donut in the other hand. And if you want to respond to Revelation, it requires a radical shift, a response. Maybe you're one of the seniors that I mentioned earlier, and, and you do want that heart for God. You don't want to go into cruise control. You don't want to uh, just uh, tour around in your spiritual RV and just kind of take it easy. You want to, maybe in your heart you're saying, I want to be full of passion for the things of God. But I just, listen, it will require, even at an old age, and I tell this to teenagers all, all the time, even at a young age, it always requires a radical response, a radical change of direction. You have to change things. Jesus says, hey, hey, disciples, Come follow me. And what does it say? Immediately they what? They left their nets. In some instances it says, and they left their father. They dropped it. And I have fun with the students all the time playing this little picture. Can you imagine the disciples going, sweet, here we come, Jesus. And they take their nets with them. They're fishers of men now, but they still have the identity of fishermen. And they're just carrying through the streets. These nets, little flopping, you know, little Mediterranean Sea of Galilee fish in there, you know, and they're going into the temple. You know, they're called to be fishers of men now. They're going to heal the sick, but they've still got these. That's that's ridiculous. But that's what we want to do. We want to keep our old identity by still following Christ. And what Pastor Steve is trying to tell you in this series is that we cannot do both. We must go through a mode of repentance that is a shift in our direction. 
And you don't have to be on drugs. You don't have to be sleeping around. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be cheating on your wife. You don't have to have this, you know, the the bad sins in your life. Do you know what one of the greatest sins is, friends? You want to know what one of the worst things we could possibly do is not live up to the calling of God on our lives. That's, That's a horrible sin when God's called you to something and you're taking the easy way out. That requires repentance, just like somebody committing adultery needs repentance. Not Think about this. Think of the lives not affected. Think of the people you didn't reach because you didn't live up to the calling of God on your life. And God says, I've provided a way for you. I died on the cross to give you this destiny. And yet we're like, well, I read my Bible and I go to church and I don't drink, cuss, chew, or hang out with people that do. And therefore, I don't need to repent. Yet the destiny that God's called on you to be a history maker, a world changer, a city shaker, has been far, far lower because you've been eating donuts. That's a tough one. But, Jesus isn't like, repent, why? Because I told you so. Ah, Jesus loves us. He's like, look, do you understand how great life is when you're walking in your calling? Do you know how great it is to have true riches? Do you know what it's like to not be ashamed and naked? Do you know what it's like to be on the mission of God, affecting people on your left and your right, full of faith, on your toes, not on defense? Jesus, do you know how great that is? Be zealous and repent. Live this life. Run after this. Change your schedule. Let's do this for the city. Let's do this for those that are weak. Let's do this for our friends and our families. Let's do this for the call of God on our lives. Let's do this because He's worthy. Let's repent and be zealous. That's what God's calling us to. I'm here to tell you, Diet Coke Living is reading a quick scripture. Diet Coke Living is saying a quick prayer and feeling like you've got a prayer life. Diet Coke Living is, you know, uh, I, I'm not doing super bad things, but we need a radical response, zealous repentance. You know what Paul did? He changed his schedule. He took a detour for the sake of the good. He went on a, he, he says, I will change my schedule. How many of you agree? I'm not making things up here. He completely altered his plans. And watch this. The next thing he did is he changed his relationships. You know what he did? Here's this man. Now I want you guys to picture this because sometimes this is very hard. One of the hardest things for us to do because of our fallen sinful nature is to live in submission to leadership or authority or to humble ourselves and be teachable. How many of you would agree Satan had a problem with that in heaven? It got him kicked out. That same problem our carnal fleshly state, it's not easy. Do you know what Paul did? I want you to think of this. Think of who Paul was, okay? Now, those of you that know more about the Bible than I do, and there's plenty of you sitting here, you've been around longer, you've studied the Word longer, you can tell me what Greek things mean and all that, but I think we'd all agree. Listen, Paul was a big kahuna in the Pharisee realm, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the um, you know, when he was killing Christians. It says that, Paul was there at Stephen stoning and giving, uh, giving permission or giving his authority. How many of you would say Paul was in high standing as he was? Paul, watch this, repentance. He then came under submission to leadership and to authority of a simple Christ follower named Ananias. I want you to think about that. I want you to think of this great 
quote-unquote pastor or this great city leader like a mayor or a governor or the president. And, and, and all of a sudden, here he has everybody underneath him. And because he was so hungry for the things of God, he said, I will be teachable. I will come undercover. I will change my relationships. And I am submitted until God sees me fit to carry out the work. If you want to be zealous and repent, friends, you've got to change your relationships. You've even got to change your perspective to one of hunger and humility. You've got to say, hey, it's not about that. It's not about who I am or this or that. I just am hungry for the things of God. And if you want to be undercover, you've got to change your relationships, become humble, become teachable. Are you teachable? Now, this is something that gets harder with age, isn't it? Can I just give you a little insight about pastors real quick? You know, a little little inside scoop. You know what pastors in their 20s and 30s are are, uh, known for doing? We call up other pastors and, and, and friends, you know, in the ministry. And we're like, hey, I need you to help me be a better pastor. I want you to critique my preaching or help me so that I can communicate God's word as effectively as possible. Well, you know, that, that happens all the time. Do you want to know how many pastors in their 40s and 50s and 60s call up other pastors and are hungry for that kind of critique? Not very many. The ones that do are pretty humble. Why? The older you get, the more entitlement you think you have. I've been around the block. I can, But listen, what God wants to do is take people like Paul. Maybe you're a Paul. You've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of plans. But God wants to take you and say, man, I've got greater plans than what you think you have. Even at your age now, if you will change your relationships, if you will be zealous and repent and turn the direction you're going. Does that make sense, yes or no? Okay, last but not least, and we close. You've got to change your identity. You've got to change the way you see yourself. Paul's identity was changed so much that his name changed. From Saul to Paul, Acts chapter 9. Jesus says, I'm not calling you Saul anymore. That's the old you. This is the new you. This, Saul was the donut eater. Now you're going to be uh, seeking out the great things. And the calling of God on Paul is in Acts chapter 9. And I don't have time to go into it, but he says, I'm changing your identity. I've given you a call on your life. The past is the past. What happened to you doesn't matter to me because I'm interested in your future. And if I could say something from the Lord to you today, I would say to you that your past does not dictate your future. Your identity can change at the age of which you are right now. Everything that you regret, everything that you hate, everything that you're embarrassed about can change if you will humble yourself and be zealous and repent and say, God, I've got a call. I've got a call on my life. I want to help those with weak hands. I want to help those with weak knees. I want to submit to you. I'll change my direction. I'll change my identity. I will radically respond to this revelation no matter who you are or what you failed in. You can overcome. Come on, somebody. Come on. Some of you have so much regret. Oh, but I was this and I was that. Look at what Paul did. He killed Christians for a living. And Jesus says, I've still got a plan for you. And it wasn't a janitor's plan. Well, well, Paul, you really, you, I guess you'll get into the kingdom, but you're going to have a really small crown, Paul. No, 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 no. Repentance is powerful because Jesus' blood is powerful. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
You come under that blood and the power to cleanse you. The power to make you rich. The power to cover your nakedness. The power to make your eyes able to see things in the Spirit you never saw before is available to you. You see, repentance is not a message. It's a smiley message. Because there's an end of the story. Do you want that? Are you hungry for that? I'm calling you to rise up. I'm calling you to be zealous and repent. The call of God is on you. The call of God is on this church. The love of God enables you. You don't have to worry about past failures. You only have to say, God, I submit to you. And I know there are people that have failed time and time again. Some of you are looking at me and you're like, Brian, I don't have your charisma. I don't have your excitement. I've been beaten down. I've gone through the war. I've got the battle scars. I've got the battle wounds. And I want to tell you, you don't have to rely on your own power to change. Your power cannot change you but God's grace gives you the the power the Titus 2 says his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness God's grace will enable you no matter what battle scar no matter what failure that you have in you no matter how rigid and starchy your Christianity has been he will loosen you up by his power all you have to do is be zealous and repent all you have to do is respond to the revelation all you have to do is say it is high time for me to be hungry for the things of God again how hungry are you? How hungry? I mean, when it all comes down to it, that's the question. Not do you love Jesus? Not do you believe in discipleship or souls being saved or prayer? How hungry are you for the things of God? And when we're hungry, we'll see it happen. It's greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. You are well able to make a radical response. I want to defeat the lies of the enemy saying that it can't happen to you. I want to defeat the lies of the enemy speaking to you. Maybe some of you are even visiting here today and you're like, oh, okay. But listen, God wanted you here today to hear this word because you're his children and he is zealous. He is zealous for you. He is hungry for you because he's trying to prepare a church that is not satisfied with donuts, but is hungry for the things of God. You are well able to respond to this message because it's not you, it's His grace that has enabled you to become an overcomer. When I think of this church, without hunger, I have bad thoughts. When I think of this church submitted to the things of God, I have great, great excitement. But it's, gonna, it's not a Diet Coke response. Okay, Pastor Brian, I'll, I'll read my Bible this week. That is not the message today. Okay, Pastor Brian, I'll, I'll try and keep the cussing to a minimum. That's not the message today. Don't grab a Diet Coke on your way out. Repent of the donut. Be hungry for the things of God and let God birth that in you. Amen. Let's pray together.